This is Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, a podcast and radio program presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. Most any contemporary musical style can trace its roots back to the blues. Time Signatures explores the blues and its musical connections with captivating interviews, lively discussions, and news from the world of the blues. And now, here he is, your host, Jim Irvin. Yes, we are home. Thank you so much, Parker. Appreciate the uh, kind entrance. Time Signatures is honored to welcome today's special guest, Plain and Simple. He's been a part of the Chicago blues scene since he attended that first blues jam at Blues Etc. in 1993. He has served as a Chicago Transit Authority bus driver for 27 years. But when the sun went down, you'd find him jamming somewhere in the city, building a good name for himself. Well, that hard work and dedication paid off eventually. And now some 30 years later, Toronzo Cannon commands a much larger stage at venues all around the world. And when you see him play, you're going to enjoy his show, The Chicago Way. Toronzo, welcome to Time Signatures, my friend. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, I appreciate having you on here, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, I'm I'm so excited to hear several parts of your story because there's so much compelling stuff that when I get a chance to talk to a musician, I love hearing the backstory. There's it's, it's just something about it that that really makes it uh, enjoyable. And with you, I'd like to I'd like to ask you to start. What are your earliest memories of music as you were growing up? Did you have any favorite tunes in those early years? Um, you know, I guess the music of the day uh, would be Shaka Khan and the 70s music, things that my mother mm-hmm. listened to and my aunts and uncles and things like that. Um, you know, Shaka Khan, Parliament Funkadelic, then you got Al Green and all those cats. You know? Right on. But then I'll hear like some Little Walter that my grandfather would, would play you know, and um, some muddy waters and things like that. Not a lot of it, but just enough where I recognized it when I got a little older, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because at the time blues wasn't a genre for me. It was just like music that my grandparents played, you know? Right, right. And things that I heard in the house, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah. many, so many members of the Chicago blues scene have come from other States, uh, generally in the South and ultimately, as you mentioned, it was your grandfather. Is it Lynch Cannon? Did I pronounce that right? Lynch, yes, Lynch Cannon, yes. Came from Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah, 1944. Now, that, but that really provided some fertile ground for you, didn't it? It did. It did. Um, you know, um, we, my family ended up on the south side of Chicago, mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, two blocks from Teresa's, which is an iconic um, club oh, that yeah. I didn't know anything about. I just knew my uncles and aunts went down there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was just a little kid getting some ice cream at the, you know, about a half a block from the place, you know. Right. Um, but a lot of things came full circle. You know, a lot of things came full circle when I got older. Yes, sir. Uh, Toronzo, mm-hmm. talk about that first guitar your sister purchased for you in 1998. Did you ever imagine that it would lead you to where you are today? No, because it was just a thing where uh, she was practicing piano. And she was asking people around, the, you know, around the house, the younger people, do you want to, you want to, you want an instrument? You want to learn how to play an instrument? Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was a little bit older. I was listening to 80s music. Okay. Like John Cougar and sure. things like that. John Cougar, the police, you know, 
uh, Devo, <laughs> you know, yeah. things like that, a- along with, you know, Shaka Khan's and all that stuff, you know, and all those bands. And I just, I, I remember hearing the acoustic sounds of uh, John Cougar, actually. Right. And that's kind of what made me go into the, um, wanting to play guitar because the big acoustic sound. And I loved reggae too. So I was, again, listening to reggae at the time also, mm-hmm. you know. So I asked for a, a guitar. She bought me a, a $99 Harmony from a pawn shop. <laughs> and uh, I picked it up and I turned it left-handed. I, and, and the strings are upside down. And right. I remember looking on a video of Bob Marley, a redemption song. Uh-huh. And it was a video where he would hit the, the bass strings at the top. And it's like, okay. And when I looked at the guitar, I'm like, okay, I think these strings are wrong. Because I didn't know I was a left-handed guitar player. Right, right. <laughs> I knew I was left-handed. So I came into this thing like totally backwards and just kind of like innocent, you know what I mean? So yes, we, we took it right back to the um, to the pawn shop and the guy switched it lefty for me. And then that's when I could properly long, learn a uh, redemption song by Bob Marley. Now, <laughs> from, from the sounds of it, those first three lessons that you got were were pretty, uh, pretty formal, but that was about it. You was pretty much self-taught from that point forward? Yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I, I mean, that's my sister read it in another interview, but I, I owe her, uh, um, I owe her for one lesson lost because the, she paid for four lessons every Wednesday. Right. <laughs> and I would go down there and the guy was teaching me like some country Western course or something like that. And I actually, I think I still might have his notes <laughs> from oh, that wow. long ago. And um, it just didn't feel right because I was like, I want to, I want to learn reggae. You know what I mean? Sure. He's like, there's no reggae chords. You know, there's chords. I'm like, <laughs> okay. You know, so I didn't go back that last Wednesday, but I never told my sister that I um, didn't go back. I didn't honor her the, the, the month's lesson she bought me, you know. But I just trial and error. You know, I figured how did Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf and all those guys, even right. Bob Marley, how did they learn? And I figured they learned trial and error. So I, that's what I thought. I, uh, t- trial and error or a lot of time on your hands mixed with a little bit of talent. <laughs> Absolutely. Know? Yeah. So, so I just took it from that perspective, you know. Now, I have to hear about your incredibly crazy lifestyle when you first got going in the jams and such. I mean, you worked all day, and then you'd hit places like Blues, et cetera, Kingston Mines, and some of the little holes in the wall. I can't even imagine oh, yeah. that that was an easy path, but you weren't one to take the easy route, were you? Well, you know, when you don't know what you're doing, sometimes it seems easy <laughs> because you just kind of like, I just wanted to be around cats with the like mind and, and learn learn something. And, and if the jam was on the west side of Chicago, and it's like, okay, all right, this, let's go. You know, I worry about waking up in the morning and driving a bus, you know, when I get home, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I was all, I guess I was responsible because I never, like, left the club and then went to drive the bus. You know, I've always had a buffer of uh, what I wanted to do. Sure. Um, and, and, uh, and what I had to do, you know, that kind of thing. And at that time, I had, uh, you know, uh, got a family and everything going. I was married and all that. Right. So, um, you know, at that time, things, responsibilities and all that stuff. But my, my wife at the time, she was very supportive and really didn't, you know, give me any flack about going out. She would come and hang out with me, too, until she got tired of hearing the same old songs. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> the songs I've been practicing, you know, that for that whole week just to get on stage for, you know, eight minutes. <laughs> and 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 learn, you know, or play what I had tried to learn sure. all that week, you know. Well, Taranzo, you know. I want to fast forward just a little bit to the point where you established yourself a little bit in the Chicago area, and now you're starting to get some premium gigs, including some overseas opportunities. 
How did that work with your employment? I mean, I've heard stories, but I want to hear it from you. Well, um, some of it was luck and good timing. Mm-hmm. And then after after a while, um, like when the, the the whole thing was up where where I joined Alligator, you know, let's fast for a little bit. When I joined Alligator and I was on Channel 9, then uh, WGN, which is a local uh, TV station here in Chicago. Right. Um, they... Um, they kind of outed me a little bit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so because they had to call CTA to get clearance on some of the video footage. So now CTA is kind of saying, okay, what is this all about? Like, who's this guy? What garage? That kind of thing. So now I'm thinking like, oh boy, they're going to start saying he's a blues man and he's out, you know, carousing and drinking and blah, blah, blah. And he's not being responsible driving the bus, but it worked in the opposite. Uh, it worked the opposite for me where, they looked at it as a, uh, a feel-good story for other operators and other drivers, you know? Sure. Um, I still had to sign a second employment <laughs> form, though. You know, they still <laughs> wanted to protect themselves, which I understand. But, uh, it, you know, it, it worked out where I was. I would work Monday through Thursday and play my gigs on Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. But um, And I would take uh, my vacations just to, uh, you know, uh, satisfy the overseas gigs that I had. You know, okay. I would plan plan that accordingly. But then once I kind of got, you know, CTA started to know what I did, then I, I guess I got some kind of favor because the the managers were kind of nice to me and and uh, and you know they would let me kind of reschedule my vacation times and then they would help me, you know, leverage my off days and things like that to 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 um to make my overseas gigs if it lasted a week or something. Wow. So they, so you had some good support with your employer, definitely. Well, well, they were getting some in return also, and I guess the statute of limitations is up now because I'm retired, so there's nothing they can do to me, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they were getting some in return. The managers were getting things in return. Sure. Like if 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 Channel Two or CBS would come see me, they would get their red tape untangled by supplies and things like that, right? Because right. they'll just get a call from downtown. They'll say, uh, media's coming. Make sure your garage looks good, right? <laughs> so so, so, so now here comes, you know, I mean, people, they, they automatically thought it was like the mayor or somebody, you know, just, just coming to have a press conference. Sure. And a lot of people didn't know it was just a bus driver. You know, it was just a bus driver that was, you know, doing some, you know, different things. The reason why media kept coming. You know, right. So, so, so they would get their red tape untangled by getting supplies and and getting things they need for the garage, but off of my notoriety, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I remember one time I was checking for my bus. I was getting the bus early in the morning, and there was a guy, like a maintenance guy, looking at me. And it was kind of strange, you know. I'm, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? He's like. Are you the guy that we clean up the garage for all the time? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like. I said, yeah, yeah, that's me. And he was like, yeah, we always think it's the mayor coming down, but but it's, it's you like that. I'm like, well, hey, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, not sorry. That kind of thing, right. you know. But but uh, it was, um, you know, it worked out. It worked out in my favor in the long run. You're listening to Time Signatures with Jim Irvin. My guest with me at this time is Toronzo Cannon. Uh, Toronzo is big in the Chicago area, but he's even bigger in some areas of the world over in Europe. And, I mean, He's got a following just about everywhere you go. As a matter of fact, Toronzo, I was peeping on your spot on the uh, Spotify app, 
you got like 25 and a half thousand followers that listen on a monthly basis to your music. That's got to be pretty cool, right? Yeah, I mean, I've I yes, I mean it's. I wish I can get more. I, I wish I could be the Taylor Swift of the blues, but right. you know, uh, <laughs> but I'll take what I can get because you know it's, it's always cool that people uh, want to hear what you have to uh, sing about and hear your stories and your songs. So I never take that for granted, and that's that's real cool. That's very cool. Well, and I, I have to tell you, my first experience with Toronzo Cannon was a very positive one. Uh, when you came over to Jackson to the Blues Fest uh, this summer, and I had a chance to uh, to hear you and uh, Joanna Connor, and you all just killed it, man. You just absolutely killed it. But more importantly than that, you guys, uh, and, and this is another tip of the hat to the blues genre, uh, the musicians are generally friendly people. And you guys, you you both treated me very well and didn't know me from Adam, and I appreciated that. Yeah, you know, I, I sometimes I, that that's a little weird because it's like, why wouldn't musicians treat just other people good? You know, right. I think the blues. I think the blues, in some way, um, it should, if you're true to the to the culture of the blues, it should keep you, it should keep you humble, you know, because sure. you, you're just a person that's you know that's just happen to have a guitar or a piano or a harmonica. And you're expressing your blues, and hopefully somebody else will understand and say, "I understand that blues," and you know, and they listen to it and they feel it. So that would just make me just a regular person, you know. Other than you know, I'm, I'm no better than the next man. If somebody want to talk, hey, hey, let's talk, you know. Right. And um, some, sometimes I guess that's I got me in trouble, but like I walk out in the audience sometimes before a gig at a festival, and people start coming around me and stuff, and I'm just like. I just wanted to buy a shirt at the vendor machine over there, <laughs> you know, at the vendor. <laughs> and, and I get to talking to people and their security come running around. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm nobody special, man. It's cool. You know, it's all right. You know? And, um, and if I but, remember but I right, it though, I guess. and mm -hmm. if I, if I remember right, you went and did a little shopping for your daughter while you were there right after your set. Yeah. 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 I got her a little dress, whatever, you know? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm always got my eyes open for my daughter. You know, that's Absolutely. My child, so I got to gotta do it right. Right, right. Well, Toronzo, I ask every musician this when I interview them, how the COVID pandemic affected their trajectory and their drive during that difficult period of time. How did it affect you and what did you do to pass the time and keep the blue spark alive? Uh, you know, I guess the position I was in, I was, I had, I had um, an agency to kind of look out for me and was getting me um, uh, you know, video things that I could do to kind of keep my, my face out there. I right. was doing some things myself on Facebook and, you know, and, and sometimes Instagram. But um, I, I think uh, the fact that I had a record label, they kind of helped me stay out there, mm -hmm. which was, which was cool, you know, and, uh, you know, I didn't just kind of soldier through it. And I was still working too. So as far as uh, money, of course, we all need money and extra money and sure. things like that. But I still was driving a bus at the time. I still was driving the bus at the time. So um, I really wasn't like hurting like some of my fellow musicians, you know, they did it for a, a living or they do it for a living, you know? So, um, but, but it did, it, it affected me because I couldn't get out and, you know, and, and do, do my gigs. You know, that was right. part of my, of my uh, piece <laughs> while driving the bus. You know, that was my, that was my piece, you know, like, yeah. you know, being, a, having a hectic day on the bus, I knew I always had something to look forward to by 
I play my music or I had a gig or, I, you know, I could be out and I can, you know, just kind of relax and like, okay, wow, okay. You know, I'm around like-minded people and not people that's, you know, looking for argument on the bus, <laughs> you know, right. or traffic, things like that. Now, I'm not I'm not going to let you get off that easy because you referenced uh, when we first started talking before we started recording uh, your your new hobby that you picked up. And didn't you pick up the one wheel during COVID? I did. I did. I picked up the one wheel during COVID. And then uh, that was a very uh, I, I retired in 20 October 2020. Mm -hmm. And then um and then I got something called electric unicycle, which is like a step up from one wheel. You know, it's like a, it's faster, it's a little bit more mobile. Um, you can go farther distances and things like that. And that's just, that's become a passion and a stress reliever. And sometimes a, a thing where I can just, um, you know, I could just relax my mind and just be gone, you know, just, just be gone. It's, it's cool. It's like you're floating. Oh yeah. And, and how in the world are you playing guitar while you're riding that thing? That's, I love those videos, man. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just me just trying to, just trying to be different, you know, <laughs> me trying to be different and, um, and, and, and be seen, you know, maybe I wasn't breastfed as a child. I don't know, but you know, <laughs> that's just me trying to do something different from the, uh, uh, the blues man and women, you know? Oh yeah. Now, I, I have to ask you about two pieces in your instrument collection, both of which are recent additions, Midnight mm -hmm. in Chicago, which is sexy as all get out. And then <laughs> Thank you. one of Buddy Guy's fame polka dot covered strats. I got to hear the mm -hmm. details, man, because you claim that you're a victim of circumstance with the strat. Yeah. You know, I've always, <laughs> I've always liked right-handed strats anyway, you right. know, um, I mean, you know, it's just, and it's, again, it's a, it's a direct hit towards Jimmy, Jimi Hendrix, you know, sure. and, um, and the fact that it's a buddy guy strat this upside down now, you know, right. Uh, it, it, it already looks weird because it's got a bunch of polka dots on it, but now that it's upside <laughs> down and then it's a color that's not normally made, you know, they only sell them at his club, you know? Right. And, um, so it's like, you know, I just, I just like the weirdness of it. You know, sometimes I like being the only one in a, a so many block radius that there's got a different guitar, you know? Now and how I, I want to go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, nope, I want to thank Eric Betty, Eric Betty out of Georgia for making, for making that guitar for me. You know, that oh, was, yeah. that was very cool. He, he had heard one of my songs, uh, bad contract. And, uh, that touched him in a way where he was like, you know, cause he's a musician himself. But he said he just made guitars now for, um, you know, for for um, for uh, you know players that still have the spark, you know, and still have something to say. And he made it for me in 2020. But you know, things was happening, life was happening, of course. And you know, I didn't get it until about maybe four months ago, maybe. You know. I got to tell you, that thing is just flat out sexy. It really is, and oh. it's. Oh, it is. And it seeing is. the Chicago flag up there on the. Uh, on the on the fretboard is just wow. Every, oh yeah. Every Pearl, piece every yeah. piece of that thing is incredible. Yeah, I remember when he chipped up the um the mother pearl to make that. And it was just like wow, he cuz he was showing me step by step what was going on. And I was like, wow, that's that's cool and I just couldn't imagine that it would be that it would look like it would look now, you know. Yeah. And uh but yeah, I, my first the the first gig that I took it on was Romania. 
and I took it without even really like doing a little, you know, a gig as far as like just to get the feel of it. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna jump in the deep end, and I took it right to Romania, the first the first gig out. That's that is so cool. Now, Taranzo, I'm under orders to ask you a question on behalf of our mutual friend Denise Lynch, who, by the okay. way, sends her very best along with Twyla. Um, okay. I'm thank, supposed to thank them. Thank you. I well, you just did, and I'll make sure they hear oh. it. <laughs> okay. You got to tell me about your Emmy. Uh, my Emmy. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a Channel Nine thing again. Um, okay. The Pam Grimes was the producer of of that uh, episode from Steve Sanders. Uh, he was an anchorman on Channel Nine. He's also a blues player. His bu- his brother. He's a guitar player. His brother plays blues out of Canada. So we became friends and uh, and things. And, um, you know, I would get a couple of spotlights on WGN. Sure. And I guess they thought my story was intriguing enough to, um, you know, make a whole episode on, right? And, um, you know, I, 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 they met me at the garage at 5 in the morning, you know. <laughs> they, you know they, they came to my house or whatever. They, they, they saw the, what I go through. Like, this is, not, this is not something made up. I really wake up. <laughs> You know, at four in the morning or four thirty to get to work at five, five thirty, whatever it is, you know. And um, you know, they followed me throughout the day, and I didn't know it was going to be up for Emmy. I just thought it was an episode, and um, that you know they won an Emmy. I found out they won an Emmy, and uh, Pam Grimes told me she said that uh, when she retires, she's going to give me the Emmy <laughs> like that. You know. Oh wow. So I was like, oh, okay, because. Steve said, oh, she's got 12 of them, <laughs> you know, because, so, wow. you, know, you know, she's like an Emmy-winning machine, right? Sure, sure. So so p- periodically I would I would ask her, hey, you know, can I keep the Emmy? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So this last time she just told me, she said, why don't you just keep the Emmy, you know, until I, until I call you back or something like that, you know. And I just, I said, okay, you know, so. I got the Emmy prominent on my, on my, uh, my shelf in the, cool. in the apartment. Very cool. Yeah. Wow. You know, you, you are definitely a blessed man working in the Chicago area, uh, getting to rub elbows with the likes of Buddy Guy and some of the others. And um, as I look uh, at history and as the older generation passes from the scene, uh, as so many of them have in the last 20 years, people are now looking to people like Toronzo Cannon and others to keep the blues alive. That really must be an incredibly weighty responsibility to bear, yes? Well, it is, and it, it shocked me when you said, I've been, I, this is 30, 30 years, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's been 30 years, <laughs> you know. Um, it's like, wow, 30 years. Like, that's crazy. But, you know, it, I I hold uh, Chicago I mean, dear to my heart as yes, far sir. as the, 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 the ground that, that, these blues men came from down south and they mm-hmm. decided to land here in Chicago and create a whole different type of genre and sound of the blues. You know, I, I feel it would be a disrespect if I was to to uh, short step it or try to half step it or try to find some way to, you know, not make it right. You know, and I have yeah. to keep that, me, I, I, I have to keep that alive in, in some way, in small way, hopefully with the other musicians here in Chicago. But I, I seem to be the first one that, that came out and started yelling Chicago loudest, you know, the loudest. Mm-hmm. Even naming my band the Chicago Way. Yes, sir. Um, me being a bus driver also, you know, I guess helped out too, me being a, a city worker. 
knowing the ins and outs of Chicago, knowing Chicago is not a perfect city. Right. But there's there's no utopia around that I know of. So you have to, you know, take take your city for its warts and all, you know. I've said that before. Um, but this, you know, I just love my city and the history of it when it comes to the blues. And and I, I don't want to disrespect the ancestors that paved the way for me to even have the guts to come out and say Chicago blues. Yes, so, sir. so whenever I wave my flag and I go different places, you know, I've been in, I went to Kentucky and the guy walked up to the stage and say, what kind of flag is that? <laughs> I, said, I said, Chicago flag. And he said, okay. And he walked away, but, <laughs> but it, it, it would, it, you know, it would be not cool if I didn't, um, uh, again, raise the flag. And, and I see other musicians now kind of are being proud of the city that that they claim or that they, you know, claim to be their city, you know, be proud of where, where we are and in, in the history of these blues, you know? Yes, sir. So, yeah, I, and, I, and I take it as a challenge. Even when I go to New York, I, I take the flag to New York. I was in the middle of Times Square about a month ago with the Chicago flag. I saw the <laughs> video, know? brother. I saw the video. <laughs> And I love yeah, that. And I'm not, yeah, I mean, it's just like you have to be from somewhere. And if if, if no one knows anything about Toronto, they're going to know I came from Chicago. Yes, and, sir. Uh, I've got a, actually, I got a gig. I got a gig like that, too. Um, uh, on Joe Bonamassa's boat. Um, Joe Abramhall had to cancel for some reason. Mm. And one of, the orga- one of the organizers said, what about that guy from Chicago? <laughs> there you go. And they called him. Yeah, they call an agency, and the agency said, "Hey, you know, Joe Bonamassa wants you on the boat." I said, "Cool, awesome, yeah, that is so yeah, cool." Yeah, Toronto, we are just about out of time for this episode. I wanted to ask you though, where can listeners find your music, your tour information, and how to book you? Oh, uh, TorontoCanon.com. Everything is there. Just, just like it sounds, Toronto, T-O-R-O-N-Z-O. Mm-hmm. Cannon with two N's, and uh, Intrepid Agency. They do, they, they do all of my booking. And um, I'm on every stream, or I guess, or every um, media platform, the Instagrams, the Spotify's, and everything, you know, the Facebooks and all that stuff, you know? Yes, sir. Well, Toronto Cannon, mm-hmm. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be with us on Time Signatures. All the best to you in the future. And by all means, keep in touch, because I'm hoping before long we're going to see another CD come out or something like that. So definitely keep in touch with us, okay? We're in the studio next month. That's you, the first one, know that we're in the studio next month. <laughs> you got it. All right, man. Well, that's going to wrap it up okay. for this edition of Time Signatures. We want to thank everybody for tuning in, and also Toronto one more time for being here. And most of all, thank you all for helping us keep the blues alive. This has been Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. For more information on cabs, visit capitalareablues.org. You can find this episode and past episodes at lccconnect.org. The Time Signatures theme song, Michigan Roads, is used by permission and was written by Root Doctor, featuring Freddie Cunningham. Until next time, keep on keeping the blues alive. Baby, I'm-